Welcome to BIV Today, the business podcast from Business in Vancouver's newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Well, last night we had a leaders' discussion. I tend not to think of them too much as debates. They're more discussions. It wasn't quite a Trump-Biden kind of experience. It was a much better experience, quite civil, among the three leaders of the major parties. And Tyler Orton, our journalist in, uh, in our BIV newsroom, is joining me along with Mario Canseco. Mario joins us quite a lot on our podcast to talk about research and, and uh, do a little bit of punditry. And uh, he's the president, of course, at Research Co., a public research firm here in Vancouver. Good to have you both. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Kirk. Can we just avoid the term knockout punch? Like that's, in, <laughs> that's just so 20th century. Um, but, uh, but, but let's get your thoughts on uh, who did well who, uh, and who didn't well, did do well. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, well, I'm thinking about who came in with maybe the most to gain from this. And I think potentially you've, you've had three years of Andrew Wilkinson have the potential to get more of that name recognition out there. Um, I, I don't think anyone would say that uh, he performed poorly. I think he was very articulate. Uh, and I, I just wonder, though, does he change any minds after this performance? And I, I wonder if a lot of people maybe just weren't as gripped to him the way that you're supposed to be when it comes to kind of a, a big political personality. Yeah, Mario, what do you think? Well, I think there was an opportunity to establish an emotional connection when it came to Andrew Wilkinson. You know, he was the one who needed to establish it because he's trailing, because it's been a difficult situation for the BC Liberals. And I don't think he found that opportunity to connect in a different way. Um, he was articulate at times. I think there were moments when he was very critical of certain things that the BC NDP government has done. Uh, but it wasn't enough to make a lot of undecided voters look at the Liberals as the party they would give a second chance to. Uh, in that sense, I thought it was a missed opportunity. He could have had a much better debate if he had established that emotional connection. The format itself um, appeared to weaken the, uh, the the nature of some of these debates in that uh, they, they weren't really able to tangle terribly long with each other. And uh, and I thought Shachi Curl as the moderator uh, did very well in keeping them from talking past each other. But in a way, uh, Mario, does, did that hurt Andrew Wilkinson and in, in the inability for him to really get into the into John Horgan's skin a bit? Uh, there was definitely a situation where he was uncomfortable, uh, especially when he was talking and there were times when John Horgan was saying, that's not true, that's nonsense. Uh, they couldn't really tangle as much as they could. But I also thought it was an interesting situation when he was able to ask a question to Sonia first. You know, the question was, isn't, isn't John Horgan terrible? Like, you know, it's not the kind of situation that leads you to learn more about people. And I thought that was also problematic. It's not a situation uh, that definitely bodes well for the type of debating style that he, that, that he has. And, and, you know, there were moments uh, when you really wanted them to go after each other more, uh, not just uh, Wilkinson and Horgan, but also Forstenau. And at times we ran out of uh, seconds before they were going to get into the good stuff. Yeah. yeah, but Kirk, how problematic do you think it could have been after we're coming from the, the vice presidential debate and we had a lot of Mike Pence, you know, interrupting, you know, uh, one Kamala Harris, um, a lot of it was made of that. And if you have a situation where it could be 
two male political leaders often talking over, you know, the, the female uh, political leader, I, I think there would have been even more, you know, outrage going on on, say, yeah, social I, media. I think it was pretty clear that the handlers for both John Horgan and Andrew Wilkinson were telling them to ease off the gas pedal. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is not the time to interrupt uh, a, a woman 45 times the way that Mike Pence did with Kamala Harris. Uh, that being said, um, John Horgan, I lost count of the number of times John Horgan was pressed on the notion of why he was calling this election now. Did, did, did you get a, an answer, either one of you, last night that felt credible? Well, he, he mentioned again and again that he grappled with it. I, I don't think that the argument has really evolved beyond what it was when this election first was called. And I, I still think it's a, a major issue for a lot of voters. And I, I don't know if it's quite been justified in their minds up until this point. Yeah, Mario? Well, it hasn't really dented his status. I think that's ultimately one of the issues that the BC Liberals are facing, especially now that we only have a few days left before the end of the campaign. Uh, we did not see a lot of people looking at John Horgan differently. His numbers didn't drop dramatically as a result of the election call. And trying to reestablish the fact that the election is happening in the middle of this pandemic when it hasn't really been successful was probably not the best course of action yesterday. We haven't seen the movement. We haven't seen voters looking at the BC Liberals as an option if they voted for the NDP or the Greens in the past, yet they continue to insist that the, the one issue that we need to focus on is the fact that this election is happening. You know, it's the same playbook from two weeks ago and you're still losing the match. Has any ballot box issue emerged, Maria? Well, I think there's a combination of things. So one thing that has been fascinating looking into our numbers is that it's definitely generational. It's housing if you're younger, it's the economy and jobs if you're middle-aged, and it's healthcare if you're over the age of 55. So there's no salient issue. This isn't the same situation we had back in 2017 when it was housing all the way through, or 2009 in an election that happened right after the uh, global financial crisis. So it's different this time around. And I think that's also one of the reasons uh, for the leaders to be talking about certain things differently than they would if we had a salient issue. Yeah, you're, you're quite right. I'm quite worried about housing. Um, now, <laughs> um, Sonia Firstenal uh, was the least known of any of the three, of course. How do you think she acquitted herself, Tyler? I was, uh, if you asked me a couple months ago, you know, what was the most high profile nature of Sonia Firstenau, I would not have been able to name anything at this point. I think a lot of people are walking away and uh, listening to what her response was to the question about uh, white privilege. And I think that struck home with a lot of people recognizing about you know what her own child would possibly have to go through if she was a person of color and they encountered a police officer. Versus the responses that we got from one John Horgan and one Andrew Wilkinson, where, you know, one person doesn't even see color and the other person had a baby named after him. Like, those are real head scratchers there. And I think she really kind of rose to, you know, the top, especially with that answer. And it, and it seemed earnest and it seemed very genuine uh, coming from her. It didn't seem like political speak at all. Yeah, Maria. Well, I thought it was a great answer from her, uh, especially for somebody who has, has been relatively new to the game, somebody who was thrown into this campaign uh, at, at the later stages, probably without the expectation that she would be facing all of this scrutiny uh, so quickly. Yeah, within uh, days, it felt like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, when, when that question was asked, I, I, the one thought that kept coming to my mind is, how would this election look 
with a different BC Liberal leader? How would this election look with Diane Watts standing on that podium or Michael Lee standing on that podium? Uh, and I think this is a question that the BC Liberals need to ask themselves. You know, is this the kind of situation where a leader with more empathy, with a leader with a different experience and a different way of, of, of discussing things uh, would have connected better throughout the whole debate, but especially on that question where they both fumbled? Yeah. And that, that question, I thought, might have been the most stark question I've seen in any of the debates this year uh, on either side of the border in terms of politics. What I wonder is, how is a politician not prepared in 2020 to answer a question like that, Tyler? I, I was genuinely kind of puzzled by by that very question as well. I, it seems as if both Wilkinson and Horgan were, were caught off guard that this would be top of minds uh, of the minds uh, of our, our province. And you just look at how diverse this province is. It, it's not like it's something coming into the middle of nowhere. You've had the BLM movement, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the demonstrations uh, that take place here in Vancouver. It's top of mind for everybody. And so for them to be so caught off guard by that, I, I was genuinely puzzled. Yeah, Mario? It's true. I think Tyler's right. You know, it's not a situation uh, where you don't know that this is going to be happening. And especially because of everything that we've seen over the past few months, uh, you know, for all of the debate preparations that they were supposed to be having, uh, this is an issue that has to come out genuinely. And I think that is ultimately what makes Sonia Furstenau's answer uh, so brave. You know, she was talking about it from the standpoint of somebody who knows what this means, who has talked to other people who have faced similar situations. Uh, they both came up as, you know, certainly not being in tune with the realities that we're facing. And, you know, going back to your childhood is one thing, uh, the other answer that we heard from Wilkinson was, was kind of strange. You know, it's like being asked about uh, what's the best way to fix a flat tire. And, and your answer is, oh, I've had flat tires. You know, it, it's not going to be something that helps you connect. And ultimately, this was the opportunity, especially because we were coming off the um, scenario that we have over the weekend uh, because of uh, the Ralph Sultan uh, Zoom video. You know, this was the opportunity to show yourself as a more empathetic character with voters. And it just didn't happen on a question that was carefully designed to allow you to do that. Yeah, I want to be conscious of the fact that probably there are a few people watching us right now going, right, three, three men talking about politics all over again. Um, <laughs> however, what I, would, what I would ask is, you know, with that uh, Zoom video that, uh, that, that came out over the weekend, um, it, neither uh, neither first to know nor uh, Horgan made much of it. It was really a question to Andrew Wilkinson. Um, how do you think his handling of it last night and then yesterday as well with his apology has mopped up some of this, Mario? Well, it, it's definitely disheartening for the campaign. I think there's a lot of people who are interested in the policies that the BC Liberals have put forth and are having very difficult time, a very difficult time, uh, relating to the leader of the party. Uh, you know, I go back to the way in which this election for leader happened. You know, imagine a situation like that where Diane Watts is there. Would she say something to Jane Thornquaith? Would the video have come out? Similar situation with Michael Lee. Um, it's making a lot of people uneasy because of the way in which they are stating these things. And ultimately, I think that is definitely part of the problem. Um, this could have been an issue that lasted three hours or five hours or 12 hours. 
it lasted 72 because they didn't know how to deal with it. And ultimately, that also places the onus in uh, the B team that is running this campaign, which is essentially a C campaign. Yeah. Uh, the one Tyler, thing that I, I did miss, and I admit it, I think it's because I, I, I'm a male and I'm watching this go down, but in Andrew Wilkinson's response, um, I, I saw on social media later, people were pointing out that he emphasized that this was one woman making the comment to another woman. And I think that irked a lot of people in the way that he was framing it as well. Yeah, uh, you and I uh, get besieged by public relations people, Tyler, all the time and, and communications people who think they know a lot better than how to handle difficult issues. Uh, what kind of grade would you give his handlers on, on the, you know, the way in which this mess was dealt with? Uh, I, you know what? I go back to what Mario said. It, it stretched out for days. I, I think that if you jump on it, give media availability right away, um, it, it's going to at least address the issue. People are going, and especially leading into the uh, the debate. I, I don't know if this is what you want to go leading into the debate uh, as well. I think you need to jump on that. I would have given this maybe C plus or B minus with regards to how they've handled it. Let's look, uh, we've got about a week and a half left in this campaign still, and it's not a typical campaign, obviously. There's not a lot of, no handshaking going on, I think, to yet to see any photographs of any hands being shaken. Um, but uh, but it's the kind of thing where uh, now we're not going to really get much more access to these leaders uh, and to their parties uh, terribly much over the next uh, you know days and leading up to the 24th. Mario, does that mean... Nothing really moves now. That that the uh, the impressions are fixed, and that there's not going to be any any movement. Well, th there's a couple of issues that uh, certainly suggest that that could be the case. One of them is uh, the uh, really high number of ballots that have already been mailed back. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't really change your mind. I mean, there's a way in which you could change your mind, but if all of those votes are out there, then it's not really going to matter. If there's some weird announcement happening over the next couple of days that is geared towards making people decide, uh, the level of undecideds that we've had in the research go surveys, which are of likely voters, has been dropping. So it's not a situation where the more this campaign progresses, you have a larger number of residents who don't know where to go. Uh, and I think the other issue that is uh, quite complex is the platforms were just announced recently, particularly the one from the BC Liberals. So you're losing a little bit of time because there's only a few days left, people may have already voted, and you're not really doing much to move the needle. So it's definitely more complicated than the elections past, where you could still get away with an announcement 24 before, sorry, 24 hours before people voted. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, you you know you know the history of these debates. Sometimes they actually do move the needle. Sometimes they do generate momentum, uh, one way or the other, for a campaign. In bearing in mind what you saw last night. Does that create any momentum for anybody? At this point, I my best guess is you'll have some on-the-fence voters uh, debating between NDP and Greens, and maybe a lot of them like what they saw with this brand-new leader in Sonia Firstenau. I just don't know if you know Wilkinson was able to gain that much more traction at this point. I, I don't know if he's the one. He needed those undecided voters, and I don't know if he's able to sway them, even though I, I, I thought it was a, a perfectly fine you know, debate performance uh, from him. I, I, I don't think he, he really biffed too many things. Yeah. It was an awfully quiet, polite Canadian 90 <laughs> minutes, wasn't it? It was refreshing. It was, yeah. Well, yeah. 
frankly, the bar was set way too low after Trump Biden won. So it would have been hard to eclipse that. <laughs> yes. right. I don't think I don't think there's enough bile among the three of them to do that. Anyway, good talking to you both. Thanks a lot for your help today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kirk. You've been watching BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business in Vancouver. We'll see you again.